nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... Somebody who thought he'd conquered his cheese addiction and this week has been proven wrong. My name is also Paul Carmichael, but I'm stuffed. Oh. Stuffed with cheese? Stuffed with cheese. I, That's I, good. Oh. I like being stuffed with cheese. It is good, but then just last night I got, oh, I got this. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Roquefort. Oh, oh that oh. horrible blue stuff. Oh, it's not horrible. It's not horrible. Do you know, it's amazing. It comes from this one little area of France, right? And when mm. it's ready... They think, right, we're going to hang it in a cave uh, 20 feet up a hillside. These English idiots will eat it. (laughs) No, Keeps the good stuff back. But they hang it in the the cave, and that's when the mould comes into it. And it's the strangest bloody cheese, because um, it affects different parts of your head. No, it's not horrible, no. It is horrible. It's not horrible. I'm not saying it's nice. I'm not saying it's nice, but it's not the horrible. Eff- the effect that it's having on you is poisoning. No, it's not. No, It is. It I tastes like-, like paint. It doesn't. Anything. Well, it depends which part of the mouth you're talking about. Because it, it tastes differently on the roof of the mouth, to the jowls. To, it's very strange. I, paint it's not pleas- does. Yes. All right. It's not the most pleasurable of things ever. No. But- but it's not. It's an experience, and that's what. It, don't you want that when you eat? You want an no, experience. I want, no, I want. I want things that taste nice. You, you know, it's like when you're in Amsterdam and they sell those roll mop herrings at the stalls. You know, my mate Bob used to just be like, "Oh, it's an experience. You've got to try it." It's like, no, filth, hideous. <laughs> no, give me nice food. Oh no, but the, right. One of these on a cracker, right, with a bit of camembert. You'd have to be crackers to eat it, man. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. Anyway, so yes, that's what I did last night whilst watching. Oh, very good. Well, must be in watching. 1971. I was in 19... I was, I was in yeah. Colony in Space 1971. I've um, been in 1971 all weekend. Um, but yeah. you find me in subdued mood this morning. I, I feel very yeah. subdued. Not to be confused with Hey Jude, but I feel very subdued this morning. I don't know what, what it is. That? I think it's that Sunday feeling. It's a good vibe, you know? Um... Yeah, but I, I've noticed I look like Ralph from the Muppets this morning. I, so there's, you, you do there's that, yes, yes, yes. You do very much yes. look like Ralph. From yes, Muppets, so. but I, I'm, but I'm nice. yes, I feel subdued like a slow lumbering dinosaur. You know, just like a Diplodocus, or, or a Brontosaurus, as uh, as the Americans would say. No. Well, well, they might, but no, they'd be wrong. Is well, that, no, it's no. Hang on, this is like when they spell colour incorrectly, and I know what you'll say. Ah, well, but if you look back, then they're actually using the original Anglo-Germanic version of colour. I don't care. So. I don't. No, it's wrong. It's wrong. They've gone over there, invented colour television. They think Noel Gordon mm. was the first person ever on colour television. I thought so, you said that that was Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. No, 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 I didn't say they were the first people on colour television at all. You said they regular... invented it. You said that, D- that I Desi Arnaz passed Logie Birdie's screwdriver's version I did the not, other balls. Week. Absolute balls. No, no, they invented the sitcom. Give them that. They didn't invent colour television. Logie Bird had Noel Gordon sat in front of his camera in about 1936. So there. Well, yeah, it was her 21st birthday, no doubt. Um, But at at least Brontosaurus gave us the birth of heavy metal with the moves, the moves song Brontosaurus, which I think is the B-side to Fire Brigade. Wouldn't know. There you go. Facts. 
fact, was well, it Moss Chops a, a, a Diplodocus or a Brontosaurus or whatever you want to call it? Exactly the phrase, I, the word I couldn't think of. I think he was, yeah. He, he was, He was a Diplodocus, he? yeah. I, I liked, yeah, I, yeah, it is a Diplodocus, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it one of those dinosaurs they found out was bits of different dinosaurs a few years back and it didn't ever exist? I don't know if it was that, although I did see this week, and I must have a look for it, and I'll pop it on the old Twitter for, uh, thing, at Nice Things Show. At Nice um, Things Show, yes, do Which follow. was, uh, some chap had dug a load of bits and pieces up of an animal and stuck them together, and it stood in this museum, I think it's in Holland, uh, yeah. since the 1700s, and it looks like a sort of a kangaroo, but it's got a massive horn, and he's like, unicorn, there you go, but it's only got two back legs. But it's been there now for 250 years. Total sort of homunculus nonsense thing. But yeah. Homunculus, that's a very nice word, isn't it? It's a lovely word, isn't it? It's a lovely word. Oh, and uh, one of those words that Doctor Who taught us. Yes. A Bob well, taught me. Word. Oh, no, taught me as well. Taught I mean, me. I had no idea what it went for a while, but I do know that um, it fitted my friend Lee quite well uh, and he was very short so I think I, I actually used it accurately without bothering to open a dictionary yes I never opened a dictionary but I used to use it thinking it was something that it wasn't I can't remember what I thought it was I think I thought it was part of the cerebral cortex of a pig thanks to yes. Robert Holmes yes. um, but it's it's been a, you know Robert Holmes has played his part in our weekend in a, in a roundabout well not even in a roundabout way but uh um, no. You know, it's been 1971 all weekend. This is due to you getting me back mm. into buying nice things. And, uh, well, this isn't a new nice thing. This is an old no. nice thing. But, uh, you know, if there's people uh, listening now um, who, who are going to be tearing their hair out probably because we've already got into um, the Peking homunculus, thereby we've yeah. got into Doctor Who. Uh, and, and Bessie, for those listening, has just come on screaming. A very tiny Bessie, actually. I, I don't know if I... Where is it? I got another Bessie here, but I don't know if I approve of this one. What do you, you know, the one with Tom in it? What do you think of too that? Too wide. That's too wide. It's it's, it's not the, the same car, isn't it? It's the same car, look. No, 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 no. Well, they're both too wide. That looks like a noddy. To no, hang on. The one without Tom is slightly thinner. Is it? I think so. Hold them both up again. Hold them both up. It is. Oh. It is. There's isn't the that sun's a trick Tom of the light? It's a no, trick of television. No. It's Desi Arnaz pissing around with us. <laughs> Brigadier. Um, so, no, um, no. yes, 1971. Mm. Um, which, which, just the phrase 1971. I don't know what it is about 1971. Because you watch, you know, anyway, so we'll, we'll describe why. This is what Paul made me buy. Uh, Doctor Who, the collection, season eight. Oh, my dear boy. Um, just beautiful. I, I bought the season 19, as we discussed last week, but these limited edition packagings are just... Is that a word? Yeah. Uh, these are just exquisite. Absolutely glorious, jolly, joyous things. And um, I've had a bit of a, you know, battle with them for a while because they've got the wrong logo on them. Um I know, and I'm still, I'm still not happy with that. I, I'm sort of, you know, I'm such an artistic idiot. Oh, I don't like the way you have to sort of get them open. It's a bit tricky to get the discs out. However, yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful things. Um, mm. Yeah, I got. A, anyway, I'm not going to be negative. 
Well, no, I mean, my concern here, though, is, of course, because we're about to get a new showrunner with Russell T. Davis and all that. Oh, yes. Presumably, therefore, another new logo. Mm. But oh, I've got I've got about half the bloody load now with the with this current <coughs> one. If they don't. Well, they did it, it with the VHSs, didn't they? After they the Paul McGann movie, I think the Green Death was the first one that came out with what is contemporaneously correct mm. for the Green Death because they went back to the Pertwee logo, didn't they? They did with yeah. that lovely so, swoop on the H. Yes, oh, I love that. Yeah, on the bridge. Yes, yeah, the bridge of the age, but no, I mean, I am, uh, I'm more concerned than I should be, considering everything that's going on in the world about whether we'll maintain the same logo on the spines of those, because otherwise, I don't know what I'll do. You can't reverse them because of the manufacture of the boxes. Well, there was a guy, and you can't do it now. You're quite right. There was a guy. Oh, is that's what that's what you're on about? Is that what they started mm. doing, printing them on the reverse? Yeah, that's right. So you. What's the have, difference between uh, reverse and obverse, by the way? Um, aren't they opposites of each other? I thought you could say the reverse and... Anyway, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> you know, potato, potato, asshole, yeah. asshole. Um, oh, so, so they did do that with the reversed covers. I know there was a guy the DVDs, doing them, wasn't yeah. there? Hmm. Oh, on the DVD. There was a guy the doing... Wasn't it called the Diamond Project or something? The Diamond Logo Project. He was redoing all the VHSs so you, you could print off your own Diamond Logo ones. Oh, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, that's right, he was. So I am I am concerned it'll happen with the Blu-rays. I don't want that. Yeah, think, <coughs> you know, about, the, that. think about your shelf. Think about there your is, shelf I now. do think about my shelf. And by the way, the shelves behind me and the ones behind Paul, I bought, I re-bought <coughs> a book that was very dear to me as a child mm. uh, because uh, I got it through the Puffin Club um, oh. in school. So we'll just have a look. There's the Puffin Club. Um, not looking like a, a paedophile at all with his coat open, um, saying, psst, kids. Um, yeah, I don't know who designed that. Possibly Eric Gill. Um, but y- 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 yes, uh, the Puffin Club, which was a division of Penguin, probably still is. Division of Penguin. Uh, hmm. You like penguins, I believe, don't you, Paul? I don't, no, not particularly, no more than any other bird, but they, they don't phase me either. Um, but Anyway, no, I remember... I- I bought yeah, this that, via the Puffin oh. Club. Just to put the shelves of your your shelves and mine into context, it was this photograph no, of John Nathan Turner in the production office that started it. I used to stare at that photo for hours and think, why is the TARDIS smaller than the giant robot toy? Why is the canine toy almost as big as the giant robot? You know, Dennis Fisher didn't really think this through. There was no coordination back then. Um, I mean, I remember, as we've discussed before, I'd get screwball, well, rocket. Um, you remember those little rocket ice creams? You'd have a little Didn't wooden they have something spoon. At the with, bottom? They had a little bubble gum in the bottom. That's right. But yeah. if you filled them with plaster of Paris upside down, they were little toy Daleks when you painted them up. If you were me, uh, with matchsticks stuck in before it set, obviously, kiddos. So that Vague was our memory. I might have done something like that. Yeah, actually. I think we all got creative like that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were toy Daleks. My my Tardis was the Souchard Easter egg with Peterson spurting a sort of, you know, a ray gun of. Of Ray, whatever, uh, uh, coming out. That was me, TARDIS. Mess, what did yes. I have for a doctor? I've no idea. I probably had an action man. But mm. um, my point being, with Russell T. Davis in charge, there was a point to this ramble. Sorry. I wonder if we're about to get the Disneyfication of Doctor Who. There's going to be 
you know, it's going to piss people off because you're not just going to have a series of Doctor Who. He no. is going to have a series running with Tennant in. He's going to have a series running with... All the Doctors he cast, apart from Eccleston, potentially, after what Eccleston said about him. Mm. But but we all know it's all about the Spawns, dear boy. Oh. Yes. Well, I noticed oh, me this and Russell week. are friends now. Yes, this week he's suddenly altered that to, well, I wouldn't go back to a multi-Doctor one. Oh. So you're not... Uh, I see, Christopher. Softened. I see. And you know well, what? I hope he does come back. Yeah. I well, hope I he does. I think... Wouldn't and you enjoy one. this? Because if they open up... I mean, they're already referring to it as the Hooniverse. Right, that's all, That's all, kids. We'll see you next week. But but <laughs> wouldn't you, wouldn't, you, uh, wouldn't you possibly approve of that? Because didn't you like that Star Wars serial that was on? What would I approve of? I'll tell you what I would approve of. I would approve of. I don't. I'm. I'm very torn because what I would adore to see are the Troutons remade that are missing, right? Um, because I would. I've always wanted to see the Evil of the Daleks. You know, I. I. If he remade that as a sort of TV, you know, like. Let's say, what was what was the sort of climax part thirteen of the first series when they came back the first Eccleston one? Well, he regenerated into Tenant. No, with all the Daleks flying through space and oh yes, the parting of the ways that was the parting of the ways. Yeah, Bad Wolf, the parting of the ways. That was it. Yeah. If the evil of the Daleks was to be made on that grand scale. Sorry, the evil and power. If they were yeah. to be made like that, I mean, the casting of Troughton would be so crucial. And I actually trust Davis on casting a Doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'd love that, but I'd like them to just make them again in a small studio after a week's rehearsal. Because those scripts don't suit... You know, the, the scenes are lengthy. You get six, seven-minute-long scenes of, of talking heads, really. Um, so I don't know if it would suit the sort of flashbang wallop of CGI. I no, it would be completely reworked, wouldn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think just uh, shoot them as they were originally done. I, think that I don't think that's feasible. Thing. I don't think that's feasible. I mean, what are the sales like on the animateds? Uh, not good enough to keep them going. BBC America have pulled out. Um, but then, Right. Mm, the animated so you say, ones... But we're drifting. Uh, we, we mentioned we um, Evil, though, which I think Timothy Coombs, uh, who we'll get to in a minute for, for a very good reason, uh, I think he filmed the film inserts for those. I but Timothy so, yeah. Tim Coombs had a, a long association with Who before completely burning his, uh, his credentials by going, oh, so over the top with the mind of evil. But we'll get to oh, the mind yes. of evil in a minute. I'm sorry, you can tune out now, everyone. This is complete and utter self-indulgent fan wank, and I, I make no apologies, and I'm certain my colleague doesn't. Absolutely not. If you'd like to fast forward about 30 minutes, we'll probably be talking about Bet Lynch or something. Bet Lynch. Yes. Um, so the season eight box set is a wonderful thing, and the artwork on it is a wonderful thing, and it's all wonderful. I have to say that the extras, um, because they just uh, they've just completely transferred them from the DVD, haven't they? So they're a bit disappointing. Well, there's, I think there's some new stuff on as there. you get there's further definitely... into it. 
Yeah, there is some new stuff there, but I think the other thing is, of course, you're going to come more and more to programmes. If we're talking about 1971, where making extras gets more and more difficult because not many people are still knocking about, are they? I have so, to say, yes, the Mind of Evil one where they go back to Dover Castle and there's just the brigand, just, you know, Nick Courtney sort of walking up the ramp to the... And they've put really sad music on as well, so it's just like, oh, no. And no, then you cut it. to Uncle Terence and Barry Letts, like... You know, t- I mean, Uncle Terry looked hale and hearty to the end, but Barry Letts is just absolutely knackered walking up the thing. And he and was, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I think both him and Courtney died not long after that, didn't they? Yeah, two thousand and eleven, I think. Courtney yeah, it was made twenty ten. This. Yeah, so not but long before, at all. Before yes. we get onto the box set, because of you again, I have spent a small fortune the last week. So I bought Who and Me the Barry Letts book. Lovely. Which, there we aside go. from the front and back cover, features no photographs. I notice another cost cutting exercise, and uh, I am usually referred to as the master. Oh. Um, the Delgado book, which uh, does have photographs in, which is very nice. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I believe from sort of it just shows you how much we learned that was wrong in Doctor hmm. Who Monthly. Um, yes. We were sort of always under the impression that Delgado was um, a Catholic, uh, some kind of um, uh, Orthodox Christian or something like that. I didn't know he was half Belgian, half Spanish and was a true Londoner born within the sound of Bow Bells. Well, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I think the whole thing of him sort of like being a Catholic, which most of us assume, is because you look at him and the phrase Spanish ambassador immediately yeah. comes to mind. And therefore, it's an obvious leap, isn't it, from there yeah. to uh, Catholicism? Well, according to Stephen um, Pollard, who is the editor of the Jewish Chronicle and who wrote in the Jewish Chronicle, he said that um, Roger went to the same synagogue that his family went to. So there's there is... A sort of, I think that people used to keep their religion quite secret back then. It was, it wasn't like uh, now where people sort of, you know, brandish it. Um, well, and, nobody was asked. I no, don't think. So nor should much, they be. They? Nor should no, they be. Nor should they. But be. on the back of the Roger Delgado book is that beautiful picture from the VHS, VHS of Terror of the Artons, and that leads me into God. This is seamless. Part. Oh, there goes me thing. Um, Terror of the Artons looks yes. beautiful. Unbelievable. It does, and of course, I mean, oh, the poor, the poor listeners here. But just to explain, so like a lot of that sort of like early run of Pertwee stuff, the videotapes were wiped. So I think out of that first whole series, one episode survives on the original videotape, and the rest of them are in a, you know, they're in various sort of qualities, aren't they? You've got some which are. Uh, black and white film recordings which were scratched to buggery you've got some which have been converted into NTSC standards so they play on American television systems because they had an inferior television system invented by Lucille Ball Probably, which is why their pictures look all smeary. So our pictures, our lovely crisp television centre pictures had to be downgraded By the way Yeah so scientifically, we had six two five lines. They had five two five lines. That's why the yes, colour was. That's, um, that's it. What does PAL stand for? I don't know. I know NTSC is never twice the same colour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. Um, but I don't know what I don't even know what NTSC stands for. No, good God, I don't have a clue. No. Well, we shall never know. Um, but sorry, do so. So do go. So, 
So we, we, you, all, you have to get the tapes and you copy them into an American standard, which means that there's less uh, information on the screen. And then that was all that existed. Or in some cases, just someone had recorded them off American television on WKP7 in Cincinnati mm. or something. And that's all that you had left. And what they then have to do is they've got to reverse the standard back and somehow build the lines back up to 625 lines. It's it's wizardry. Or, of course, it on really some of those is. cases, for some of those episodes that you've got there, The Mind of Evil, literally only existed in black and white. No, no, Nothing that's not else. true. Oh, sorry, well, that is true. That is yes. true. Uh, episode one, though, was the hand-coloured one Stuart Humphreys did of Babel Colour. And by the way, or is it Babel mm. Colour? I don't know. By the way, why isn't there any form of documentary on the Mind of Evil uh, disc about how they colorized it? Why hasn't Stuart Humphreys at least just a mention on a documentary? He hand-colored the bloody thing, for God's sake. Every frame. Episode one. Absolutely, I think he did the uh, keyframes and they were interpolated by software. Ah, right, yes. But but the genius part is, of course, that he didn't do episodes two, three, four, five, and six. Chromadots. Chroma dots. Which is, this is magic. This that is, is magic. magic. So if you imagine a black and white picture, but when they made the black and white film, they didn't turn the colour off because they're like, well, we're running black and white film through, so it'll record it in black and white. So the boys and girls at home need to understand what you're going on about. So Paul's yes. just explained to you, children, mm. that we had to convert PAL videotape to NTSC videotape due to American TV standards. However, there are many TV standards all over the world. So mm. back then, in order to save any confusion, what they would do is they would telecine something. So they would show on a television screen the show and they would film it on a 16mm camera and therefore they could just send 16mm film prints around the world which would play on any TV standard. However, exactly. when the 16mm black and white camera was pointed at a colour monitor due to the luminescence of the I TV picture, so. it yes. actually recorded the colour information as dots on a black and white print which software is then able to extrapolate the colour information from and... Mm. It is magic. It's magic. <laughs> it is magic. And, and this was spotted. This was spotted by uh, someone who now works in restoration back in 1993, watching, I think it was The Demons on UK Gold, and going, it's very colourful, that picture. And there's all these chroma dots, and it was broadcast. And he's like, oh, there's colour in there. And somehow yeah. they pull that colour to the right point on the screen and rebuild the colour. I mean, it's not just that, of course. Then you've got a hell of a lot more to do. So the demons, for example, my mate Gav Rymel, um, who's also on Twitter um, as at the mind rob, a very interesting chap, lives two doors that way. Um, he did a lot of the uh, fringing on the demons, so it wasn't, you know, colours weren't bleeding. Right. So you've got to sort of pack them into Yeah, shapes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, this so there's magic. that. And then you do what Paul's just been talking about, which is the reverse standards conversion, mm. which uh, um, is that vidfire? No. No, no. Re no. Right, so reverse standards conversion is when you've gone from your lovely 625 line British Broadcasting Queen's television programme, you've converted it to murky colours, bit look a bit like sick, bit like Roseanne looks, converted to that so Americans' minds can cope with it. No, it's not. And then you've got to convert it back to the British standard so we can see it, which British means you've got standard. to somehow, British standard, add another 100 lines of information, and then 
you've got vidfire. Yes, which makes so, it look like videotape. Oh, but it already <clears throat> looks like videotape. No, vidfire is just for film. So oh, when the they made a, mil. That's it. When they made a black and white film copy of a videotape program, you lost about half the information. So you lose that fluid look, like news has when you watch the news. You lose that fluid movement. Yes, you go from... Have. Well, what they've done is they've gone from 25 frames per second video mm. to 50 frames... Is that right? I don't know. You say I'm cracking on like I'm an expert in this stuff and I'm not. Stuff like that. Anyway, the show itself, Terror of the Artons, is yes. is just a treat. It's it is just a treat. Introducing the master yeah. uh in Roger Delgado. Um yes. and I mean Harry Taub is is a treat in that as well, isn't he? You know. Harry Taub is one of those actors. He turns up and you just know that you're in safe hands. He makes a habit, doesn't he, in the late sixties and early seventies of appearing in Doctor Who for one episode and dying in horrendous ways. He's in the opening episode of The Seeds of Death and you go, Oh, it's Harry Taub, so he's gonna be a reg oh he's dead, he's been shot yeah. dead. Brilliantly shot dead after a wonderful character performance. Then he's in Terror of the Autons and he's eaten by a chair. And but that's terrifying. That, but they show him stop breathing. Yes. Oh, they, they show linger him. on the on the you know. Yeah, right up to that moment. But Taub, whether you watch him on Doctor Who or You and Me, which he presented, um, or Oh, he was on EastEnders about a year before he died as a very, very elderly character. Wonderful actor. He made a documentary as well that I'd love to say about Jews in Belfast, which mm. is the community he came from. I would love to see that. That's probably in the BBC archive of nice things that you'll probably not get is. to see because they don't think there's enough demand or something like that. But an interesting bloke when you look into it. <clears throat> um, but Terror of the Artons, the colour of it, the, it's just it's just amazing. And the new effects on it are splendido. They Absolutely are, they lovely. They've got that look, haven't they? They would have done this if they'd have had a bit more cash. So yeah. rather than trying to update it and make it look as though, you know, it's a brand new production, it's not. It's acknowledging the fact that it's now 51 years old. That's ridiculous. Isn't it ridiculous? That is ridiculous. That's but it is great. I mean, so much of it is just... it's. You can you can actually sit through that and it's it holds up today. It doesn't. You just don't get bored. Um, but the mind of evil, which uh, is the next one on it, obviously, um, I, I think this. I think it's a little bit too long, but it looks so good. You know, the master in the limousine with the cigar, um, Stangmore Prison. Um, it's weird because what? that uh, chroma dot thing, which I believe the mm. first time they used that was on Two Dads Armies, wasn't it? The Battle of Godfrey's right. Cottage and a strike for Private Fraser. That's is right. That, is yeah. that right? They were the two, and that was astonishing. Yeah. Easter, they mm. put that out on. Um, oh, no, 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 no. The very first thing they used it on was the Are You Being Served pilot, which... Uh, that's right. That was the first thing, which, of course, was only ever shown by pure circumstance, that because they made the Are You Being Served pilot, and it's reviewed, and they go, well, this is rubbish. Just put that on the shelf. We're never going to look at that again. And then... The Olympic Games took place in Munich, and of course they didn't go smoothly. Mm. So suddenly you've got holes in the schedule, and it's just pull everything off the shelf, play stuff out. Out goes Are You Being Served? The series is born. Uh, Nine purely seasons because later. of that. Yes. Um, wow. So that was the first one, and then they did the Two Dads Armies. But like so much of this technology, it's always because you've got this dedicated 
hardcore group of people working on the Doctor Who stuff. That's always then tried out there. And we, we see that new technology being used beautifully. Just oh, amazing. Beautifully. Amazing. Mm. But the mind of evil um, is, you know, it, you can see why Timothy Coombs went over budget. Helicopters, army trucks, locations, warehouses blowing up. Um, yeah. It looks astonishing. Um, I think that in those five episodes they colorized there's bits of it that look as though the backgrounds haven't been colorized there mustn't have been enough chroma information for them uh, yeah no nonsense doctor probably chroma um yeah. <laughs> but um william marlowe in that is brilliant isn't he as mailer the the convict who takes over the prison that sort of for, for anyone who remembers him wasn't he the boss in the gentle touch with a very acne scarred face that's him. That's exactly him, yeah. So, of course... Um, he married Kismet Marlo's... Delgado. <clears throat> After Roger Delgado died, that's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's a brilliant actor. And the way that you can tell a brilliant actor is if you look at them doing two roles in the <clears> same <throat> show, and he, he does two Doctor Whos, you've got him in The Mind of Evil, and you've got him in Revenge of the Cybermen. Mm. And in Revenge of the Cybermen, he's quite British and rather plucky, and looks like the sort of chap who'd, so who'd buy you a pint... Whereas in the mind of evil, well, that's the sort of man I was told to avoid in the 1970s. I'm a bit scared of him. <laughs> God, yeah, he's well scary. Um, Neil McCarthy as well in it. Wonderful. Oh, my God. Who's, um, well, he's just brilliant everything he did, wasn't he? I mean, um, spoke fluent Greek, was mm-hmm. a, a classical grade nine pianist. There's a great documentary on the Cat Weasel d- DVDs, which th- needs to be on Blu-ray if, if anybody yeah. can make that happen. Unfortunately, Gary, who ran the Cat Weasel Society, he died, I think, last year or the year before. And mm-hmm. Gary was tireless. When we used to go down to the farm, well, I went down mm-hmm. once, actually, but they used to put on an event every year at the farm that it was filmed uh, mm-hmm. at West Clarendon down uh, down in Hampshire, I think it is. Uh, every year they put an event on. And, um, yeah, anyway, so um, on the DVD there's a great feature where they speak about Neil McCarthy and how he would play piano in rehearsals. And it was like people's jaws were in the floor because he was like this amazing classical pianist. Um, and, and when you look at him, you've got this sort of like lumbering presence. He suffered course- with uh, acromalagia, or amalagy, I can't think what it's called. It's, a, it's an overabundance of human growth hormone. That's why his hands oh, right. were huge and his, his head was... But he's great in the Steptoe and Son uh, Ride Again film. He's like that. Ah, you know, when he turns up, he's one of... And, you know, he, he's just one of those... And Time Bandits, I think, as well. He died mm. of motor neurone disease um, back in the 90s. But he's one of those faces. Google him if you're listening or watching. You'll mm. know who he is. He's brilliant. Him and Youth of Joyce should have had a sitcom because they're um, Harold's auntie and uncle, aren't they? Oh, they should. They should. They should. And the other person, the other person, of course, you've got in there is Michael Sheard, Mr. Bronson himself. Was ah, I meant helpful. to ask you, was he alive when they colourised it? That's what I meant to ask you. Did he see it? No, I don't think so. I think he's... Oh. A, I have a feeling he's been gone since about 2012, you know. It's been a while. Yeah. Michael Sheard with her. Michael Sheard with her, yeah. There was never much her. He's in The Ark in 1965 with Hartnell. I thought he meant his her. I thought that was a reference to his her. He was in The Ark. (laughs) (laughs) It started to comb it over. (laughs) No, it was... Oh, just these wonderful... Every single actor in there is just bloody brilliant. And what's the most amazing thing about it? It's uh, it's Don Houghton, isn't it? But Mm. it feels like a Malcolm Hulk story because it is... Absolutely political. So well. It wears its politics on its sleeve. 
absolutely. And his wife's but, in there as the Communist Party picks and Lim. Absolutely. The, is she a captain? Captain Lim, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. 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 But most of all, I think, is the fact that what you've done is you've got Don Houghton, who's clearly in 1969 or something, read A Clockwork Orange and gone... Defo. Defo. We'll have that. I meant we'll to that. say that. What I love as well mm. about, the, you know, at the start when uh, the they are... Um, um, they're showing the Keller machine. They're demonstrating mm. it. And there's the there's the group in there. Um, and and all the extras you recognise from like there's the guy out of Stepton, Son of Star is Born, and and so all the BBC ex, they're, they're quite familiar faces them. And I was thinking to myself when I watched it, you know, we go on about the unit family in Doctor Who, mm. uh, and we go on about all these teams, and it was cosy, and it was it was really cosy, um, and the extras were cosy too. We knew those mm. faces. Oh, absolutely. We we knew all those faces. Yeah, um, it's like a little rep company of, of yeah. extras, but that's because you had this lovely thing, didn't you? Where directors would work with the same people, time and time and time again. Yeah. Um, Douglas Camfield was one for that. He built yeah. up a rep company of actors, and he just bring people back all the time. Wonderful stuff, and. Um, same with the extras as well. If you know that person can do the job, I think being an extra is bloody hard work, isn't it? Because yeah. you've got to pick, you've got to pitch what you are doing perfectly, slightly too much, and you draw focus. Not enough, and you draw focus. So yes, pitching it so you're doing just the right amount of of almost nothing in the background yeah. is such an important thing. And this is where Olivier um, Olivier used to have a lot of respect for extras. You know. He, he loved them because he always said the most difficult role that he ever played in his career when he was asked, the most difficult role is the spear carrier in Hamlet, Act 5. And the reason for that, he said, was because, well, you stood at the back with a spear, so you can't move because you're on duty. And in front of you, in very quick succession, four people, all of whom you know and all of whom you are sworn to protect, die. And you're not allowed to leave your spot. All the acting is done up here and with the eyes. Most difficult thing I've ever done. And that's being an extra. You know, yeah. that sort of, you are so involved. That character is real. He's thought out that characterization, But you barely notice him. You wouldn't notice him because he's just at the back being that soldier. That's yeah. a good extra. And you yeah. get that in the 70s with the recurrence of extras. You're quite right. Oh, they're great. I mean, it's like uh, Terror of the Artons. It's cosy, isn't it? It's all very cosy. I mean, it's a terrifying story, but mm. the people in it are cosy. And just when you think it can't get any cosier, Michael Wisher turns up. Oh, you know, um, who's one of our great favourites. Now, uh, proceeding through this, the Claws of Access, which I only sort of, uh, I only tickled its balls this morning. Really, I didn't have the time to to watch that. But you, you had a, a day with the Claws of Access yesterday, didn't you? I, I did. I had a I had a day with the Claws of Axos, and, and in fact, about when would this be? About ten, no, about nine years ago, I had a day with the Axon um, himself. I had a day uh, with Bernard Holly, which was wow, that, great. That was quite something because, of course, uh, Bernard Holly he did those four episodes, and he's in the first two episodes of Tomb of the Sidemen, but he's dead at the start of episode two. But he got paid to come back and just be dead on the floor. Um, one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. And the voice, I mean, this is a voice which has just sat in booths for 35 years recording lovely adverts. A lovely, what do we know him presence. from? What do we know him from? What do I know him from, though, as a star? 
nothing. I he do, I jobbing, do know him from Summer. He was what a was jobbing it? actor. Well, oh, wasn't he a copper in Summer? Oh, he loved Dunn's Z cars or something I remember like him that. from Summer in the 80s. You have a look. Let me have a look. You, you, you go on. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, and Katie Manning, to, you know, I mean, what was she, 19 or something? 1920, something like that. And in she goes. And How of course, you've got looks. her on her first yeah, on her first day there. Um, and one of the first things, because of course, Katie Manning is famously, she can't see a thing um, at all without glasses and she won't wear contacts. So on her first day of, of location work, she falls over and sprains her ankle. Yes. And, yeah, and one of the PAs on that took the piss and went, well, we've hardly filmed anything yet, so we can just replace you. Ha, ha, ha. She took that seriously, and then Pertwee finds out, oh, Pertwee was not happy. Her and Pertwee, I mean, and she says on that documentary, doesn't she, that he used to pick her up every day because she was in Chiswick and he was in Barnes. Every time I yes. hear Chiswick, I think of Kenneth Williams, by the name of Chiswick Flow. Um, <laughs> but, um, and he sometimes picks her up on the motorbike. Boom! Yes. Through London. The Doctor and oh. Can you imagine that as a kid? Have you seen that? Oh, that would be just oh, lovely stuff. Right, here we go. Bernard Holly. Um, four years in Zed Cars um, as PC Newcomb. Um, but, oh, the Detective Inspector, Mike Turnbull, in The Gentle Touch. There we go. Cat's Eyes. That was there it. Go. Gentle that Touch. Was it. That was him and William Marlowe. There we are. But Brilliant. Wonderful, um, lovely, lovely bloke. But you sat through the studio footage, didn't you? Uh, 90 minutes of it, which considering only two episodes existed um, in the archive, where's that from? Well, what would have happened is studio uh, a studio day would have been sort of like most of your day was rehearsal. You get into the studio bright and early and you're just rehearsing scenes so the cameras can move around you. The assumption is by this point the actor knows what they're doing. So you're just rehearsing, the camera's moving and getting all their shots. And then you get about two and a quarter hours in the evening where you record the whole damn thing. So that would just be recorded onto one big spool of tape. And then the edit would be done from that. And they'd just take whole sequences of two, three or four scenes. And they'd piece it together from that one video. And somehow that one video has survived. That spool of tape wasn't That's recorded amazing. Over. That is amazing. That is amazing. So what so you've you had got a... there is you've got multiple takes. You've got John Pertwee getting cross because somebody's in my eye line at one point gets very angry about that. And you see all the, you see the way that they did this in an evening and you see that they actually would do three or four scenes as a sequence and then they move on to the next three or four. You can see them getting the titles ready, um, sort of cameras lining up and suddenly ah. John Pertwee's credit appears for a bit. You um, had a point you wanted to make about the titles. Oh, I think it's the skill. The skill of um, closing titles. Opening titles, we're all familiar with them. But of course, the skill of closing titles is that you've got someone sat in the, in the gallery pressing a button to change those names on screen. And with Doctor Who, it's cut on the rhythm, like so many others, you know. So it's always diddly-dum, 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 diddly. And they're changing. And whoever's cutting those has got to have in their head whether it's going to be four beats of four, which is if you've got a main actor, or whether it's going to be eight beats of four if you've got three actors on screen, right. or whether it's four beats of four for two, 
And then it goes down to beats of two when you get it coming down to script editor and so on. So to have just sat there counting, and if you watch any gallery footage of anything where they're recording anything, any live music, it's just people counting out four. It's one, two, three, four. And it's just, that's all they do in that control room is, is they're chanting that. So I think to have sat there and cut that to the rhythm yeah. so perfectly, oh, that's a skill in itself. That's Work gone. of art. Beautiful. Work of art. Absolutely. So you did you get further? I oh did you do the demons uh, Christmas showing? Oh by the way, I special the... mention: the Claws of Axos has snow in it. It does. When Pigbin Josh is there and stuff like that. Yes, it's got snow in it. Um, oh, and that uh, start... amazing flip the Doctor does in episode four. I presume that Stuart fell or something. Oh oh yeah, that won't be. No, I know it's not him, but wow, he does a real yes. like forward flip. Well, what's lovely there is, of course, that during those credits, if you watch, you've got action by Havoc. Havoc. Yeah. Havoc. Uh, now, in season oh. nine, it's not, is it? It's He's named... He hadn't formed that company yet. Is it Stuart no, Fellow? It is, but no, season... No, they, they start in season seven, I think. Oh, Inferno is... Season seven has okay. got action by Havoc at the end. Um, Havoc being this group of about five stuntmen who got together and basically said, well, let's just do everything. Yeah. And suddenly you've got Havoc who turn up and do these massive elaborate sequences, falling off gasometers and things like that. It's just yeah. with very little health and safety, of course. And uh, I, sp- I think special mention must be made of John Levine's fat ass because he's uh, he's certainly a bit too uh, large for a soldier. I would say when he's running around in Mind of Evil, it's like God. He's got an ass like Kenny Dalglish. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't looked at John. Levine's I don't notice gentlemen's to... bottoms, Michael. No, no. <laughs> this is what you do on your weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so the demons' uh, Christmas omnibus. I presume it's like been put together. It's not the yeah. original Christmas omnibus. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's been put together, but um, Barry Letts used to write, you know, incredibly detailed right. notes for edits and things like that. So they've recreated it, cut it down to ninety minutes. So they've lost about thirty minutes all in, which does make it nicer, a nice little tight show. But before that, you've jumped here. You've jumped past Colony in Space. Sorry, I have. Yes. Oh. Now, now. Let us go back here. I'm just going to put a little buffer in here and explain okay. to people why we view this so fondly. Considering we weren't alive for it, we had a sort of... I'd say that Pertwee's era is better served than any in terms of beautiful production shots and publicity mm. shots. That When we hadn't seen these shows as kids and we used to read the episode guide every month in Doctor Who Monthly, they, were, they used to do a... Was it? It wasn't Gallifrey Guardian that focused on a story every month and went in depth with it, was it? No, it was, it was the archive. The archives, the archive. and we had all those lovely production stills, and and Colony in Space looked like um, like one of these American sci-fi films of the sixties, didn't it? It really did. It looked beautiful. Possibly it doesn't quite look like that when you watch it. It doesn't. It doesn't. And Pat Gorman in his mask, who was a member uh, of Havoc, wasn't he? He was, yes. But, but, here's the thing, you see. When you look at that lovely box set there, Colony in Space, I'm afraid for me, is that's my favourite. I love Colony in Space. Space. Ultimately, 
Colony in Space is perfect because it, for me it's the epitome of what made good television. Because the majority of it is just men stood around arguing about business. You've got Morris Perry and you've got John Ringham and they John argue Ringham. about business. And I love that. It's just blokes having a go at each other for the vast majority of it. Perfect. That's what television should be. Men shouting about business. Men shouting. John Ringham that's, had a look of Troughton, didn't he? He did, We've had yeah. this discussion before. The baggy bits, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, John Ringham's one of those faces that people will know. Um, I'm trying to think what he, he he was sort of like a sitcom ninja, wasn't he? He was in loads. Yeah, just Good things. Friends. He's very famous for being in with Jan Francis and yeah. Paul Nicholas. Wasn't oh, at Penn. Um, didn't like that one. No, I didn't um, like that. I thought that John Sullivan, who you hate, his best work was Dear John. I love Dear John. Dear right, John's I get fantastic. That. Mostly because there's one uh, where one of the women who goes to the self-help group gets terrible wind and keeps farting. And I remember that when that was first shown. I laughed so much at that I was almost sick. Um, yeah. That was perfect. So I love that. But then um, Just Good Friends. Dreadful. I don't know what it was about. Just two dreadful. people Just not, dreadful. not saying enough. Yeah. Just absolutely dreadful stuff. So mm. the demons. Uh, is Return to Devil's End on here? No. Uh, oh, no, no. That's, that's a real-time production. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but Bill Banks BBC. has given him stuff. He's given him access to a Pertwee interview on that. Um, uh, it's not Bill Baggs. It says Barnfather, his name on dear. it. It says his name on it. On what? On uh, the documentary on uh, Terror of the Artons. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean on um, Return to Devil's End. That was Keith Barnfather. That's not Bill Baggs. Oh, that's his, is it? Uh, that's his, absolutely. That's his. Um, and I've that's... got a VHS there of the last convention they did. Mm. Have you got that? Not sure, actually. I, I might have. Let's convert that. No, 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 it's just a camcorder. Oh, oh okay. I'll, I'll put that onto digital and send it to you. Well, you know what I need at the minute? I need... Um, remember when you used to get 8mm videotapes? Yes. Because you could get the old... I've know, got one got of those camcorders old... that plays those. Have you? Yeah, I've got one in the cupboard here. Because do you know what I've got? I've got um, Monopticon 94, which has got Pertwee. Uh, I've got his full panel. Bring it into work it's, tomorrow. It's the I first time. It. It's the first time Caroline John ever did a convention. And there she is. I've got the full Bring it thing. in. Bring it in I'll tomorrow in. and I shall convert oh. it. And we won't right. show anyone. It Nobody will be our private gloat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that's probably enough season eight. Go and buy it is my advice. I got oh. it for thirty eight ninety nine on eBay, uh, and it's eighty quid on Amazon, and it was brand new and sealed in the box. Um, that was nineteen seventy one. It's been a weekend splendidly spent, and I've got more to do yet. Um, it's it's a joy. It really is a joy. Um, God, what a season that is. What yeah. a season that is. Terror of the Artons, The Mind of Evil, The Claws of Access, Colony in Space, and The Demons. Um, so, Paul, aside from being in 1971, you've been sort of rifling through the filing cabinet of conspiracy theories this week, haven't you? I have. I have hmm. somewhat. Well, I, I started thinking of this because the thing that you were talking about last week... It's not a conspiracy theory. It's backed up by geological evidence and archaeological evidence. And I'm happy to give you more information should you like it. Uh, it's no point. 
No, um, because it won't go in. Because as soon as you say that, I just start thinking, oh, that could be a sitcom starring Donald Sumpter. It's something like that. So there's What was the sitcom very... that you came up Oh, Hamlet's Mill. Hamlet's Mill, there Hamlet's you go. Hamlet's Mill. It, it, was, it was James Hater. A James Hater, that's it. Yeah, but he'd be absolutely. super tanned. He'd be super he tanned. Because he's been in Spain and he just flies yeah. back for six weeks to do his yeah. series. To do Hamlet's again. Mill. That's it. Perfect life, that one. Perfect. But no, it did make me start having this thought about are there any conspiracy theories that I believe in or anything like that? Because I get bored with this sort of thing. It's like all of this... Anybody who tells me that Princess Diana died because of Prince Philip or Mossad or something like that, I just get so instantly bored with that sort of nonsense. What do we know about Princess Diana dying? Go on. Uh, there was there was a, a documentary by Keith Allen that was... God, what was it called? Uh, unlawful killing. That was the verdict of of the right. of the thing. Um, yeah. But that was funded by Mohammed Al Fayed. Hmm. So there we go. Then. So I mean, immediately, the thing... there's conflict of interest, isn't there? Well, there is. I mean, the only thing that I know about her dying is it cost me over a thousand pounds, and I'm still cross about it. I went to the bank to draw out my first week's wages. And on the door was a bloody thing, a little photocopied thing, because the Princess Diana went out home, and I'm like, what? What? What's she got oh, to no. do with me getting my wages? And I don't know what... Oh, I'll tell you what, back in those days, do you remember this? They'd give you a bank card, but mm. not a hole-in-the-wall card until you'd work for about three months. No. Oh, yeah. No, you must come into branch if you want your money. We've got yeah, to make sure you're I you. Remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would often have to take that in and a passport or something. As Stuff I like that. Yeah. yeah. I used to remember but, when I used to forget my signing in card at the Dole. You know, oh, if you forgot that and there was a guy oh, I used booklet. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. hated me because I never yeah. brought it. And I'd walk right. in with like uh, her down to me waist and bells in me ear and all kinds of shit. And I used to go in with a lad who didn't wear shoes. <laughs> Anyway, enough of our misspent, yeah. my misspent youth. Go on, conspiracy theories. Yeah, so I'm I'm not big one for it, and so I did start thinking, are there any that I believe in? And it took me a while to get to it because it, it, to me, it's not a conspiracy. Conspiracy to me, it's something conspiracy. that I accept as fact. Right? Go what on. conspiracy? You just said yes. Um, so I I have no problem believing this. I'm not saying that it it happened. But I have no problem believing that on either the 9th of November 1966 or the 7th of January 1967, because mm-hmm. there do seem to be two dates here, I have no problem believing that on the M1 motorway, Paul McCartney died in a car accident ah. and was replaced at the behest of the other Beatles and they found a, a look-alike for him, Paul, or Fall, as in fake Paul, as, as we in the community called him, apparently. Um, we in the community? We in the community, absolutely. All right. I have no problem believing that then Fall replaced Paul to avoid upsetting people, right? And there is evidence for this. Now, I've compiled the evidence in my little notebook here. Good. Um, so, you've got Abbey Road, you know, the, the famous picture of them on Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. I He's know. pointing down, yeah. pointing down, barefooted, wearing a white suit, Randall and Hopkirk like. So, what you're talking about is Abbey Road, the cover. Yeah, that's right. Now Ringo's in a black suit. He's the priest who's that's officiating it. the funeral. Lennon is in white, and he's oh no, no, sorry, Ringo's in a black suit. He's the pallbearer. 
Yes. Lennon is in a white suit and he's the priest. McCartney's barefoot as he's the corpse and George Harrison is in denim as he's the grave digger. There you go. That's what they say. And the the number plate on the VW Beetle in the background ends with 271F, 27 if he'd lived. There you go. That's the evidence from the Abbey Road cover. Right, that's number one. That's number one. It goes further. It goes further. Number two is the song Glass Onion. Yes. I present to you the lyric. Um, Here's another clue for you. The walrus is Paul. And here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. There you go. go. He sings about St. Michael's in that Lennon. The cast iron shore. Really? It goes down to the Mersey where the foundry was. You know where the cast iron church is? It's all about the cast iron church in St. Michael's uh, Hamlet, which is in Egbeth in Liverpool. Um, and there's a cast iron church there. You know, all the windows that are usually stone are all mm. cast iron. All those beautiful Gothic arches are all cast iron because the foundry was around the corner. Um, yeah, I know that bit as well. I know a bit about there you the Beatles, go. obviously. But, um, well, yeah, I don't. But I have absolutely no problem in accepting that theory based on that. I've, okay. I've, I've, I believe that. Any one. more? No. Oh, there is. There's more. There's I'm more not interested. If you go. I've made my mind so, up at that point. So, <laughs> so, there's a website called, I think it's oh, something like the Beatles weren't real.com. I can't think what it is, right? And they go further. Have a look at it. It's, it's, it's not that. It's somewhat like that. You have a look and you'll find it. Anyway, so the theory in its entirety is the Beatles... If we if we uh, are listening and we know Peter Watkins' movie Privilege, which stars mm. Paul Jones of Manfred Mann, as a pop yes. star the government have created in order to control the youth. Okay, so mm. the theory at the Beatles weren't real.com or something. Have you found it? Um, I'm looking for it. Hang on, it. let me have a look what that website's called because it'll bug me. Uh, the Beatles weren't real. Uh, crazy conspiracy theory, yeah, just a bit. Um, no. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I think there's a certain, there's enough there, isn't there? There's enough evidence. There's enough there. So they claim that- the government got these lads together, right? Yes. Uh, the what institute is it now? It'll come to me. And there's a team of people writing the music. And it was all invented to corrupt the youth. And they claim that Viv Stanchel was put in to replace Paul. And there's videos out there where Viv's face morphs into Paul's and stuff like that. It's it's So they cover at some great length um, the conspiracy theory you're on about. So you believe it anyway? No, uh, no, what I'm saying is I have no problem believing it. Oh, I'm I not see. saying I necessarily believe it but that one to me like the Loch Ness Monster I can go well yes so if suddenly Loch Ness Monster is real said, yes exactly it's but true. if somebody some, if somebody one day suddenly said oh you know that Beatles thing well we found out it's true I'd just go well yeah, obviously of course it's yeah, true of course yeah of course. I have no problem believing that one I, I, not, not there's some great stuff out there if you, if you go down this rabbit hole there's a bloke mm. and I'm trying to remember his name it's Charles Moore or something like that it's not that but it's Charles something or other and he was on this podcast and he's on about he's like oh yeah 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 well the Queen and Prince Philip are obvious I think Philip had died he's like oh the Queen's died some years ago uh, and been replaced by well I think there's three clowns now 
Yeah, three. And then he's had about Prince Charles. Yeah, there's about four Charles. And have you seen the one they put on telly lately? They've got the ears all wrong. And it's just like... <laughs> it's just superb if you go down that one. Um, did mm. Paul die? Um, yes. So there's the they say in the day of the life, don't they? He blew his mind out in a car. Um, that's that's another one. Where they're on about some... He was just reading from the newspaper and that. Um, it's tempting to speculate. I don't believe that one whatsoever. He's not got the same voice now. If you listen to him being interviewed now, he's got a different voice. No, and I suppose you've got to buy into the Tavistock Institute. That's who invented the Beatles. That's who invented it. Ah. Just remembered what they said about the... If you've got to believe the whole corpus of it. You can't just pick and choose. It can't just be Paul is dead. It's got to be all this. Because otherwise they wouldn't have a clone waiting in the wings. No, no, no. It's not a clone. It's a bloke who looked like him in a, in a you know, bit like with Crossroads where they did a do you look like Noel Gordon competition? They did a do you look like Paul competition? And they found this bloke. And right. then they go, all right, you'll do. And you come. Forget everything you've done with your previous life. You can't see anyone ever again. We'll say right. you've died. In you come. You're now poor, but you must never say anything. I found it. The Beatles yes. never existed. Dot com. There we go. There we, we go. go. Right. So have a look at that. I'll go um, with that. I right. Go with dub, that. Dub 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 dot. The Beatles never existed. Dot com. Right. Not secure. Well, of course not. It's full of lunatics. Um. You know, I think it might have been taken down. That's a shame, eh? Oh, but why? Ah! Why is it being taken down? Ah! There we go. There's a great article here. The Beatles never existed is the greatest conspiracy theory of all time. Right, we will put this link uh, in the thing. Here we go. There's a picture of the two Pauls. Notice anything about the ears? It's Charlie again. He's comparing it's mouths. It's different ears. It's different ears. The the new Paul on that, he's got that little bit down here by his lobe where it goes in a bit. Old Paul, proper Paul doesn't. Proper so, Paul doesn't. There you go. All right, no, there you go. You proven. can click on that link. Have a little Excellent. look there. Um, there we so go. So, thebeatlesneverexisted.com. Yeah, because I tell you what was good on there, the message board where it was on about the five Donald Trumps and the, and the three Hillary Clintons and everything. It's just like, and it's great then because if you like us, it's like, oh, it is like the tomorrow people, the world. Yes, yes. There you go. Yeah. So, and I like that idea. I, I would like it if it was like the tomorrow people. Not like it is now. It's all a lot shouty and people getting no. cross. I don't want that. No, I don't if like it, it cosy. No, got to be cosy. We like cosy. Cosy is a nice thing. We've had and I see the storm is hitting again out here. Um mm. and so I think it's it's light a fire this afternoon. Uh, and go back to 1971 for me. Um, I think so. I conspiracy theory I can believe in that we never went to go the on. moon. I can buy that. Right, I can why? buy that. Why? Because that one annoys me. Go on. Well, let's just get one thing clear. Excuse yeah. I. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> it's this fizzy water, mother. Um, <laughs> let's get one thing clear. I think we went to the moon. Right? But you're on about ones that you could believe. You could believe in, and you wouldn't be that surprised if it turned yeah. out that the theory yeah. was right. Yeah, okay. yeah. I could believe it. Um, the evidence they present. When they're stood on the moon, there are no stars in the background, is one. Um, there's, there's a, I don't know it all. I once had a mate of mine, in the same breath, 
tell me that we never went the moon, and then he told me, uh, but of course, man, uh, there was a secret channel they had, Button C on the comms, uh, and they pressed that when they were on the moon, and they reported that they saw all the aliens up there waiting for them. And it's just like, I thought you said they never went. Another pint. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so he told me both of them in one sort of breath, really. But I could believe it. I could believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They sort of, they they uh, crystallised that in that film Capricorn 1, didn't they? Uh, in the mid-70s. Oh, you've never seen Capricorn 1 where they fake a landing on Mars? Sounds like a film, so the chances of me seeing it are quite... It's a brilliant good. film. Elliot Gould is in it. It's a cracking film. Who's his... Isn't he someone's dad? I'm someone sure he famous. is. Oh, I don't no, know. No, no, but someone... I don't know, anyway. Was he one of the Untouchables? No, that's Elliot Ness. Um, that's right, yeah. Well, Loch Ness. And that definitely exists. That one That exists. definitely exists. Right. That definitely and I'll exists. tell you why it's never been found when they do the scans, okay? Because... And I know Robert Banks Stewart made this up for Terror of the Zygons, but there is an underground channel that connects Loch Ness to the Devil's Punch Bowl. Right? Ah. And he says that. Tom Baker says that. So therefore, and that's I believe it solved. that. That's it. That's solved. it. They, they need yeah. to look for that. That'll be there. Well, Loch Ness, which aside from a little bit of coast each side, runs the whole length of Scotland, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it's a scar from the last ice age, isn't it? Where a glacier obviously melted, and that's so uh, the idea is we're back to the uh, the end of the ice age, the the younger Dryas period again, mm. uh, and the theory being that uh, what's the dinosaur they say it is. Plesiosaur? That's right. Thank in Britain, you. in Britain, it's that. In America, it's probably something made of chocolate. Yes, 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 yes. It probably is a Hershey a thon no. or something yeah. like that. American chocolate's horrible, by the way. It's um, disgusting. It's not as disgusting as blue cheese, though. No, no, no. Blue cheese is. It's beautiful. It's horrible. It's, it's not because it's different. Because it's not about it tasting nice. It's about it being exciting. That's the thing. Because. If you eat enough of this one, the old uh, the old one from the caves, I yes. think it's got mildly hallucinogenic effects. It would. Poison does. Enough, yeah, if I eat enough of it, I can't move at all. I'm just sort of like on the couch. You're poisoned. Full of, well, it, it works its way out quite satisfactorily. and hasn't killed it does. me yet. Well, yeah, no, no, no. Nothing satisfactory about it. But, I do but, like no. cheese, though. I do yeah. love cheese. I like well, what? lots it's of cheese. It's got to be cheese. proper cheddar for you or something. No, no, no. I like a mature cheddar. I like an aged right. gouda. I like... Uh, what else do I like? I like smoked cheese, actually. I like oh, smoked Bavarian things. Cheese. That really crappy processed shit that you get in the Aldi. You like the Aldi. I love the Aldi. You love the Aldi. But what the viewers don't know is you really love heroin foods. Now then, this is something... Now then, Mr. Mr. I won't go where the common people go. There is nowhere well, more common than heroin foods. I like to think of this as being an, exp- uh, an exploration work. of the juxtaposing or and outreach work at the same time. So it's an event, really. No, I'm absolutely stunned by that place. I had to pop in there because I needed some props for a show. And I thought, well, I'm not going to waste money. I'll go over there where it's cheap. Good God. It's... it's, uh, it's Super cheap. Uh, Wonderful! I bought um, I bought a bag for life as a souvenir, um, made up with it. I won't I won't bring it to the village, of course. So anything I bought, I had to then decamp. Yes, this Morrison is this is a point worth making. So Paul goes to Heron Foods, buys yes. a bag full of like Rustler's microwave 
burgers. They were she, for a show, not for me. No, they yes, weren't. They, They're in the fridge at work, and you have them for right. dinner. There's one in the fridge. There was one in the fridge at work. I've, I've eaten that. But the, but like the, the tuna balls that they do in a tuna clear balls plastic bag. and the black pudding and all that. So so what he did was oh. he got the Heron Heron Foods bag of delights that he'd got. He transferred them all into a co-op bag. So he could travel home to his posh village and no one would know that he'd been to the pov shop. Absolutely. That is deception on a grand scale. I'd see nothing wrong with this at all. I don't see anything wrong with doing this. It's not deception. This is like me nan when she used to buy the cheap own brand blackcurrant jam and put it in the Hartley's jar and sit there happy. Just made it, just quietly to herself as my granddad spread it on his toast going, oh, you can't beat Hartley's jam, you can tell it's Hartley's this. And she'd be like, just quietly going, yeah, I get where she's coming from with that. I absolutely understand where she's coming from with that. That's like a a little, yeah, a little minor victory. Small victories. Yeah, good. Yeah, man, yes, yes. Oh, Thoroughly approved of that, yes. But now I've got the lovely heroin foods bag at work that I can keep as a souvenir. And you can pop over there for sort of commando raids on the shop and then yeah. transfer it once again. Um, and, and okay, then, so let's let's have a sort of short review. The burgers, first of all, they look absolutely disgusting. I can't imagine microwaving anything with lettuce on it and it being nice. They, they were filthy. Now, the, the interesting thing there is, of course, you're, you're meant to be microwaving meat, so I'm always a little bit worried. And bread. And, the, and bread together. But on the back, on the instructions, it says microwave for about 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, right. And they were absolutely awful. Disgraceful, just, just disgraceful. They were filthy, but I was just giving them to students. So it was all right. I've seen you eat um, one. Don't tell I me. Have the, the, one. Yes, yeah, it wasn't nice. But no. again, like the blue cheese, it's an experience. But where is the blue cheese? The, oh, the lovely rock fort, sort of like you know, removes parts of your mouth. This one, you sort of eat it. And you go, is, if it wasn't for the fact that I had a mouthful of mush, I wouldn't know that there was anything in there. It doesn't no. taste of anything. It, it smelled a man ass. I have to say, it really <laughs> did. When you cooked it, it was just like, whoa, that smells. Um, the tuna balls. Yes. And? Are haven't tried nice? them yet. Haven't oh, tried no, them no. yet. Freezer. Um, I'm just stocking up on, you know, um, stuff for the apocalypse at the moment. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good, good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. I mean, yeah. unless the power goes off and I've stuffed the freezer full of things from heroin. You're going to have to eat raw tuna balls? All, uh, all at once. I'll just have to just sit there eating raw disgust. Really. Uh, black pudding. What's that like? The black pudding's beautiful. And beautiful. I like a black pudding that you Love can a black slice. Pudding. Because whenever you get given them, they're, they're usually a bit too... not. You know, they're either not thick enough or too thin or too fat. So I like the fact that I can carve my own black pudding. And, yes. Um, Oh, so so yesterday, as well as the um, as well as the cheese and crackers, I also had a little plate with very thinly sliced black pudding on. Lovely cracker, cracker, bit of black pudding, and Lovely. some cheese that would kill an animal. Yeah, oh. yeah. When I worked, first job I had was working in a pub, the New Inn in Hale Bank, and on a Sunday morning when I did the shift on a Sunday morning. You would go in, and on the bar were trays with sliced black pudding, sliced cheese, and sliced crackers. Apparently, this was an old tradition in northern pubs. You would feed your clientele on a Sunday morning in that manner. I do remember. 
something like that. There was a pub. There still is a pub. Um, the Dovedale Towers. In oh, Liverpool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. Oh, wonderful pub. It's where the I, real where Paul to... would go. Oh, I used to go in there on a Sunday after being out to the clubs on a Saturday yeah. night and damage limitation Sundays, we called them. Um, I remember once there was a riot in there, a, a proper riot, and I think right. it was during a footballing. Um, but if you think about the Dovedale Towers, you walk through those doors and then you've got that raised platform bit um, on the right, which I always like to sit on and look down on people. Of oh, yes. And then one day a minor riot kicked off um, uh, in the in the lower part because people were cross about football, and suddenly operational support division turned up and just like straight into the pub, flooded into the pub, just pulling people out. I'm just sat there very happily <laughs> on the fifth pint, just watching this unfold around me. It's a beautiful moment. Free episode those... of the Bill. Absolutely sticks with me that moment. Oh, was, oh, I enjoyed that. But they used to do that there on a Sunday. They'd serve little plates with all sorts of little nibbly mm. things on. Does that still happen in pubs? No, or do you have, have to no pay idea. for it? I've no, yeah, you have to pay for everything in a pub now. I saw a tweet the other day, someone in London saying uh, a pint was £6.50. Just a sort of pint of cooking lager. No. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a fiver anyway. You know, if you go to Lart Lane or Liverpool Centre, it's a fi- That's why I love a Weatherspoons, dear. I know you don't, but I do. I know you do. I can't. I don't no, think the can't. beer's kept well. I think it tastes of shit. It doesn't. It's kept beautifully. It, it's not I've kept just beautifully. It's kept by some twelve-year-old who's being paid fifty p an hour. So I'll oh, go in there and check. The- <laughs> Go in there and check the pumps, Leroy. And he goes in there and goes, yeah, there's a pump. I don't know. And that's how they look after beer. No, they don't. No, they don't. Yes, no, they, they look do. after it really yes. well, probably. No, um, they don't. I think someone who shops at Heron Foods is just a, a cat's whisker away from being a, a patron of the Weatherspoons. Absolutely not. I went there about six months ago because there was a power cut in the local area. Ah. And so oh, you have Weatherspoons? To- well, sort of. I mean, what we've got is we do have a Weatherspoons that's um, in, a, in a former nice hotel, but not many people go there. Oh, Ooh, really? No. no. Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe you the... need to import a lot of poor people to your nice village. Well, we do have the new estate on the hill, um, and I think they sometimes they trickle down and go in there. They, they lumber from the local cave. They do, down the hill, and you avoid them as they're wandering down. And they stream into the Weatherspoons, and then eventually, you know, they go head back up the hill, probably in a taxi, because they can always afford them. I can't. But, yeah, so, uh, whereas, however, there's two nice pubs where they don't go. Ah, and that's where you go. That's where I go. Pop in for an estimate on a gin and lime, as Benny Hill used to say. Yes. No, 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 I think we're a long way off. The dark days when I would have to frequent a Weatherspoons, I hope. There seem to be dark clouds on the horizon, don't there? The media are presenting a sort of gathering storm for people. I, I don't watch telly. I don't watch it, well, unless it's sort of uh, third plug, uh, get the Doctor Who season eight box set. Not the rubbish one with whoever's on it now. Um, but the more people I talk to, it's like half of them are being driven mad by the telly and the newspapers and the other half by the internet. So I don't know what um, messages are being put out by the media, but they must be quite alarming. Well, they are. I mean, the one this morning, I've I've given up watching the news. 
um, nice. just over the last two weeks because I watched I watched the first week of you know the invasion live and I, woo, exciting Ooh. and. And Pat then Tom. all of a sudden, yeah, but sadly not. No, and then you go, oh, it's the same thing. So I, I do allow myself Radio Four Six O'clock News. Allow myself that because it's very sensible roundup. But the media are sensible trying to co- colour this, aren't they, at the moment? With yeah. basically, well, what if he goes into the EU next? Oh, don't give him ideas, for Christ's sake. There's ridiculous well, there are, things. They're all. It just seems to be fear, 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 fear. It's like, you know, they end the COVID restrictions and then it's like, oh, right, war. And not just any old war, nuclear war. You know what I mean? Yes. And then someone yeah. tweeted the other week, which I thought was amusing, you know, Threads begins, and it was Saturday the 5th of March, and Threads yes. begins with Sheffield, Saturday, March 5th. It's like, oh! Ah! Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the media do love a good battle, though, don't they? I think ever mm. since 91 with the Gulf War, which was the first one we could show live pictures from, really... That really took off, and they cleared the schedules um, to show live coverage of, of of a desert and poor quality camera work. Mm. And ever since then, you know, news has become more and more this entertainment um, feel. Also mm. because, of course, now you've got so many different channels who all want you to watch, and the ones who've got microscopic budgets want you to just watch people being interviewed in studios so the BBC send more people to Kiev and then suddenly go, shit, we've all got to leave. But that's the point as well. The the ridiculousness of renaming Chicken Kiev in supermarkets and removing Russian vodka. And I'm no fan of Roman Abramovich, right? Or, well, you know, Moneyball as it is now, footy and that. But it's kind of like, you know, he's public enemy number one. Sorry, the football team are public enemy number one because of him. And it's just, it's all this Russophobia. It's kind of, it, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, really. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, if there's, a, you know, it's like, I, you know, during World War Two where they were putting the bloody windows through of German shopkeepers in London and stuff yeah. like that. It's like, is this, is this where this is headed? Well, that's the worry, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I've always sort of worked on the assumption that guilt by, assum- by uh, guilt by association, rather like blood feuds, is something that most of us gave up in the late medieval. But just exactly occasionally, my... oh, they come again once again. It's and the it's media. worrying bollocks. Yeah. Everyone is. gets frightened. I mean, you know, I, I had the piano tune around yesterday, you know, mm. and um, as, as most people do. And... Um, mm. You know, he's just on about it, and, and you're just like, oh, mate, turn the telly off. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, yeah. I think that people have gotten used to being frightened after the last two years, and it doesn't make for a very pleasant uh, or fruitful society. It doesn't, but I think that what there is now is I think they've launched this new series of The War a little too soon. I think that we mm. maybe needed... You know, the summer off and then hit us with this in September. Yeah. So I think at the moment after, you know, two years of COVID, went on a bit too long. Went on ra- longer than El Dorado at the end of the day. <laughs> I think what you've got now is a real case of fatigue, nationally, yeah. internationally. And everyone's just like, really? Now? Mm. Do we have to? Can we do, do that later? Yeah. Well, that feels a bit silly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you've stocked up on tuna balls. I've got lots of tuna balls from Heroin Foods. You've got plenty of tuna balls. You know, oh, yes. so you're going to be all right. We'll have to go, I'll go around to yours. Maybe the Everyone people from the estate on the hill could come down and you could, you know, uh, in this new spirit of entente, share your, no, no, no tuna balls not. for the no. poppy. No, no, I'm thinking what we need is some sort of uh, perimeter fence and guards. Just, you know. Right. 
Just, but, just to be sensible. I've often thought that, though. I've often, and I've said to people at social gatherings, and they think I'm joking. I've said, "Well, don't you think at the train station we should have some sort of system where you've got to show something, a form of ID, a, a household bill, or something that just shows who you are, so they're not. So if anyone knocks on my window, we've got a list. I, I think that there's a there's another list. Sensible, um, you know, <laughs> so people who who get off at your train station, for example, not wearing socks, eating right, sandwiches is... in the morning, right? That angered me. Right, that I know. Really angered it's me. Hilarious. That angered me. That's so much. You don't eat a sandwich at that hour of the morning. You don't take small little bites of a no. sandwich like you're a mouse feeding itself. You don't eat a sandwich on the train at eight in the morning. No. You don't you don't eat it like that, but then eat with your mouth open. You don't not wear socks. No. You don't do this sort of business. No. And you don't do that when I'm listening to the archers. No. Absolutely not. I no. Bread if you are to eat bread pre what, eleven AM it must be toasted. Surely that's it a has rule. to be toasted. It has yeah. to be toasted. This why this isn't on the statute books, I don't know. I but don't when you've got people like him and then that other man I told you about who seems to be trying to dress like me. I hate that man. The, <laughs> the, 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 no. I love I, I, Yeah. No, I love the, the morning the update. Morning. I love the morning well, update. The, the train in the morning, at the end of the day, it's a, it should be peaceful. It should just be me with the archers from the night before and maybe a podcast about Lady Jane Grey or something. So when you've got people like the man who dresses a bit like me and him with his sandwich, and then this other woman who sat next to me on Friday, sat right next to me and was already on the phone, that's the height of rudeness. What you should say is, I'm getting on the train now, I'll phone you when I'm not on the train. And then you shut up. That's all you've got to yeah. do. You they need a carriage just for you, don't they? Ideally, yeah. Or or a carriage for the people who can't not talk and not eat sandwiches ah, don't for 20 they, minutes. Don't they have uh, quiet carriages still? No, they've done away with those because everyone's noisy these days. Right. Everyone's talking and everyone's eating their sandwiches around me or dressing a bit like me and that sort of thing. Trying to ruin my day before it gets started. He'll be in your front room one day. He'll just be there. Like, he will have replaced you and it'll just be like... No. Like Roger Moore in that film. Like Roger Moore in that film. No, Paul, I think you'll find you're in the wrong house. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That would be it would be a good film though. Yeah, he observes you film, every day yeah. on the train. No, but I'm observing him. Unless he's mm. Maybe you'll end up in his know. house. He might have more nice things than you. He doesn't have any nice things, you can Does tell. He not? No, absolutely no. not. He's playing at this image that he's trying to create. He's that, aping no. you. He is. I believe that. I quite believe that. And then that that one with the sandwich, I saw him again on Friday evening coming back. So it's like twice in a week. That's unforgivable. No. no he wasn't he, eating. Ah, oh, right. If he'd been eating toast in the evening, you could have really, really... Oh, I'd have had to have changed where I was sat. I'd have had to have got off the train and waited for the next train. Genuinely. You, I, no. Yeah. You could. Can you eat toast in the evening if it's got beans on it? Yes. Yeah, that's I think that's all acceptable. right, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's acceptable then, but apart from that, uh, just no. no. No, no, absolutely not. Well, on that, uh, I think we've clarified the toast Fury issue, and I think, um, we have, yeah. I think Paul needs to lie down now. So um, it's a good point for us to leap off air. 
Um, so, um, back to 1971 for me this afternoon. I don't know about you, dear boy. No, I, I think I will do that. Well, in fact, I'm going to have a little look at uh, Forces TV, oh, which yes. um, started off as a military channel for mm. those sort of people. So I was assuming... <laughs> Who protect you. <coughs> well, all, apparently. But I was assuming that, you know, all that they would show is old Gracie Fields films and documentaries about Churchill. Nice. But t- turns out they've been buying in lots of old telly. And I noticed the other week they were showing Father, Dear Father. Oh, so I've, I've recorded a few samples of their words this week, so I might give that a go, I think. Very nice. And the storm's brewing. The storm is brewing beautifully. You know, so it's definitely that kind of thing. I was going to do all sorts this weekend, but instead I've not. So, you know. There you go. I've just yeah. been in 1971. I've done DIY and housework, but I was going to do good fun things, but I've not. Uh, no, so, you know. so let's stick, stick with 1971. 1971. I think yes. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that just about wraps things up. So, until the next time, we hope you have a lovely week. And I always, I, I always fuck this up. Right? <laughs> I, I need we to need write the script. What was it? Now I used to say it dead good as a. So that's all from us. So uh, until next week, goodbye. And I'd say bye-bye, but there was a nice wheat bit in there, bollocks. I'll have to watch an old one. We hope you have a nice week, and until then, goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. Right, Right, try it. Do it again. All right. Here we go. Okay, so that's about it from us. We hope you all have a lovely week, and until the next time... Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.